Welcome to HBW's Over the Counter podcast. I'm David Ridley and I'll be chatting with industry experts and insiders about the latest trends, issues and intelligence in consumer healthcare. In this episode, I speak to Per René, CEO of UK-based microbiome specialists Clasado Biosciences, about the exciting world of prebiotics. Essentially food for your gut microbiome, prebiotics have benefited from a worldwide boom in preventative health in recent years, as well as a critical mass of clinical research showing the significant role that the gut plays in health, immunity and even stress and anxiety. In this fascinating discussion, Per and I discuss the science behind prebiotic supplementation, as well as the regulatory environment in the European Union that makes marketing such supplements challenging to say the least. We also dive into the current and future growth and innovation opportunities that prebiotics represent for the consumer health industry, which Glossado supplies, as well as marketing its own Bimuno branded product in the UK and beyond. Welcome to the HBW uh, Over the Counter podcast. Um, it's a pleasure to have you on. Thank you very much, and it's a pleasure to be here today. Um, so, should we just start with uh, you introducing yourself? We can do. Uh, my name is uh, Per Rene, and I am the CEO of uh, Clasado Biosciences. Uh, I've been with Clasado for uh, just short of four years and joined the business uh, four years ago to take a, a very significantly scientifically substantiated company uh, and bring it to uh, commercialization, um, which we're doing quite successfully. have a background from the, the food uh, ingredients, food manufacturing industry, uh, also work with, with pharmaceutical uh, and also biotech uh, through my almost 30 years uh, being in the industry. That's great. And so... Glossado is a prebiotics specialist, is that right? Yeah, I think the, within the category of prebiotics, uh, we were, uh, I, would, I would qualify as a being pioneering because we, we've been around for 19 years uh, and, and most of the first 15 years, uh, the company was very much focused on, on developing the science uh, and only in the later years have we actually start focusing on commercializing. So we do categorize ourselves as a as a leader in the microbiome space. Uh, and one of the things we're doing is, is developing and, and commercializing a prebiotic. So you must have seen the whole um, field kind of booming then over the last you know few years. I mean, this is uh, something that we've only re- really started to write about in depth in HBW as a consumer healthcare industry publication. But we've certainly seen microbiome related products um, becoming really important over the last few years and then especially very recently, uh, just going from strength to strength. Um, so yeah, that must have been interesting having been in, in that field for a while. And especially as you say, on that journey of commercialization, um, how has that looked from your point of view from, you know, is it a case of, oh, finally, you know, people are starting to realise, you know, that this is something good? It's, it must have been quite frustrating for a while, maybe. Well, I think being in the industry for that many years, uh, and you can almost say having a career that can, went from commodity ingredients over to more and more speciality ingredients and work more and more with specialised areas as well, uh, you get more and more knowledge about nutrition. Uh, I have a background as a food technologist. Uh, and 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 you realize how much education that actually still is, uh, especially to the consumer. Uh, but for years, it has also been the case for the industry itself to actually understand the 
the benefits, but also the, uh, the of the ingredients, but also the uh, the health benefits that that they provide. So I've been through probiotics as part of my career as well, and seen <clears throat> how that's developed from being basically but into yogurt uh, for that matter, and and nowadays are used in supplements and even into um, pharmatherapeutics uh, is the entrance area. Uh, but with prebiotics. Um, in the early days, uh, probably were commercial more like a soluble fiber because back in the day, 15 years ago, nobody knew what a prebiotic was. And I think the concept was probably at that time impossible to convey to the consumer. Uh, but I think over the last 10, 15 years, and, and especially coming through the pandemic, uh, the consumer has been become very uh, health conscious uh, and looking more and more towards, well, what can they do as a preventative measure uh, to to improve their health uh, and and try to avoid to get ill in the first place, uh, and I think part of that has also fueled uh, the prebiotic space. And I think one of the things that that all that fuels the prebiotic space, uh, not only the uh, apart from the health benefits and then the scientific development, is actually the ease of use, where the probiotics are alive bacteria uh, that don't like moisture, they don't like heat, they don't like pressure. Uh, which, of course, in, in, in many applications makes them more challenging to uh, to apply, uh, where a lot of the prebiotics, including the one that we produce, is, uh, is very stable uh, to heat, to pH, um, time. Uh, it, it doesn't really, I think our, our powder has three years uh, stability on it. So, so it's a very versatile and, and very stable ingredient. That makes it so much easier for, for, for both food industry, supplement industries and any uh, to actually formulate uh, with prebiotics uh, to a larger extent. One of the reasons for me joining uh, Clasado in the first place was this combination of the, the immense amount of science that the company has and the trajectory of growth uh, that prebiotics were starting to take uh, and has continued to take. Uh, I think the predictions uh, down to, uh, up to 2030 is still around double-digit growth year on year. Um, and I probably would would compare prebiotics, let's just say four years ago, uh, more or less being at the level of probiotics were back in before 2010. Um, and if you look at the market sizes now, uh, prebiotic is in and around 25% uh, of probiotic global uh, market size. And I think with the trajectory we are having, uh, I think as we come into let's say 2030s onwards, uh, that there's a high probability that prebiotics will actually overtake probiotics in terms of value and market. Um, probiotics are never going to go away, uh, but I think there's a bigger market potential for prebiotics. That's really interesting. Yeah, I think we'll come back to that in a, in a moment when we talk about the markets and especially, you know, how they're regulated uh, in Europe. But maybe in the interest of, um, you know, we we're saying about education, uh, we should start with what pro prebiotics are, um, how they work, and also you know, what the difference is between a prebiotic, probiotic, a postbiotic. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe that would, would be a good foundation for our chat. Well, we can start with the with the scientific version of it, uh, which has been defined by ISAP, which is an association for the advancement of science. And the definition there is that it is a substrate uh, that is selectively utilized by the host microbiome, uh, conferring a health benefit. Uh, probably a bit more in, in layman terms, is the uh, the majority of the prebiotics are soluble fibers. And it's basically fibers which you, the human uh, can't digest. 
uh, and it actually goes through your, your stomach, the upper um, intestines, uh, and ends up uh, with the uh, microbes, the bacteria you have in your gut. And it's only the enzymes within those bacteria that can actually break down uh, those fibers. So they become fuel for your good gut bacteria. Uh, and, and when you fuel your good gut bacteria, that starts then to produce other, we, we call them metabolites in the industry. So that could be short chain fatty acids uh, as one uh, that has a, a whole host of beneficial effect on your health, uh, both on brain and uh, on your, uh, your gut itself, on your immune system, on your sleep. Uh, so that's a whole host of benefits uh, by, by utilizing. But it, it's basically the food for your good gut bacteria, uh, to keep it simple. And so my understanding is that prebiotics um, relate to, say, probiotics as a, as a fuel, like you say. So you have, uh, you know, these positive bacteria in your gut and then, yeah, the prebiotics is, is basically their food. So you're supplying your gut microbiome with the stuff it needs to do the good things that it does. Yeah, uh, where you can say with, with probiotics, you're basically taking live bacteria and adding to your gut microbiome. That can be to increase certain uh, species of, uh, of of bacteria for health benefits in your, in your microbiome. It can be because you have not enough of them or it can become be, you don't have them at all. Uh, whereas by, by eating uh, probiotics, you, you then uh, feed the, the, the healthy and beneficial bacteria in your gut. So uh, one could argue that it, it might be beneficial to, uh, to feed your, your own bacteria. Uh, but we, of course, all understand that at, at times there might be uh, people that do not have certain bacteria in their gut. And therefore, of course, they need to be added as well. Yeah, that's really clear. So moving on to Clisado then. So how exactly um, does Clasado operate in the prebiotic space? And, and tell me a bit about your own brand. You've got your own brand of prebiotic, haven't you, as a kind of consumer health product? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> we basically see ourselves as having three pieces to our business. Um, one piece is the, is the biotech part of our business. That's where we have developed and, and are continuing to develop our science. Uh, also looking into developing new novel uh, oligosaccharides as well that potentially can feed specific um, groups of bacteria, uh, again, for health benefits. Uh, the results of it that come out of our science and, of course, the products we've developed, uh, we then go to market as a branded ingredients uh, within what we could, in the business to business area where we sell our branded ingredients substantiated by the science uh, to, uh, to, to companies around the world that can apply that either to, uh, to functional food, uh, supplements, sports products, or medical nutrition products as well. Um, and then uh, very early on, uh, which is quite uh, usual in the, in the biotech industry, uh, the company developed some consumer products uh, to, to utilize that as a, um, as a showcase uh, to show to companies that our products on the market that are selling. Uh, but those products have actually developed quite well over the years and, and we are con commercializing those uh, at the moment in the UK uh, on our own platforms as a uh, subscription model, uh, but also utilizing Amazon uh, as that is clearly a, a very large platform uh, that a lot of consumer prefers. Uh, and as we come into here to 2023, uh, we will start our uh, international expansion. Uh, so we will start going into uh, the first European markets uh, here uh, beginning of quarter two. Uh, and from there on, we'll uh, expect to uh, continue to our expansion across the European markets and 
uh, look at in the, in the years to come also go into the US and Asia. Uh, so it's so a quite uh, significant uh, growth plans for the business and, and how we go to market. Fantastic. Well, that's good to hear. So I suppose uh, the question is then, um, as you say, because you you supply your ingredients to final product manufacturers um, and we have, you know, this is our kind of listenership and readership at HBW Insight. If you're uh, a manufacturer who maybe is looking at this space and thinking about whether or not they should invest either more or or maybe just to start um, in the first place, what's the what's the opportunity what's the opportunity would you say for the consumer healthcare industry here and maybe what's the what, what how should they get into it well i think the opportunity lies in the in the transitioning uh, that, that that i think we're seeing uh, in in consumer healthcare uh, although it might be early stage but i think we've seen it with personalized nutrition uh, we see uh, nhs systems in the western world being completely overwhelmed at the moment coming out of the pandemic uh, and I think there has to be a shift in the world in terms of uh, people's awareness of, of their own health, uh, and which we do see increasing, uh, as I mentioned, coming out of the pandemic. And I think the opportunity there for consumer healthcare companies is getting on the trend of uh, preventative. Uh, that people are actually looking at living healthier. People are looking at uh, how can they potentially supplement their diet already. Uh, with, with further uh, products uh, to keep themselves healthy. Uh, and I think at the end of the day, if you look at it, uh, if you want to use layman terms, is that what well, we are what we eat. Uh, and fundamentally, uh, anything that we eat uh, and, and that, that feeds our bacteria uh, basically fuels every cell of our body. Uh, so to start going into an area where you have clearly defined uh, ingredients or for that matter, also molecules at, uh, at, at lower levels that can target specific bacteria, potential uh, specific health benefits. I think it opens up for, you would say, the next generation of, of consumer health. Uh, and and we, we would see as well, if you look at a lot of the supplement companies nowadays are, are owned also by pharmaceutical companies, which I also think um, points to that they also see where an important piece lies in the future in, in terms of consumer health. Um, and again, coming back to the market of, of, of the, uh, the growth uh, that we are seeing at the moment being double digit year on year and predicted uh, to stay that on, until on the other side of 2030. Uh, I, I think coming into the market, you can, you can still get on the, uh, the growth trajectory uh, as the consumer gets more and more educated and, 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 and grab that, that piece of the market uh, as the market grows. Um. But I suppose also um, one of the things that's changed, um, it seems, you know, writing about it more is that the science has become more mature in terms of the benefits, um, you know, that some of the the claims made for uh, microbiome health, you know, things like gut brain axis, <coughs> gut immune axis, etc. You know, there's growing um, solid scientific evidence, isn't there? For these benefits and i suppose that's where it would appeal more to consumer healthcare manufacturers especially if their background is more in you know pharmaceuticals you know, much more um uh, reg highly regulated used to you know investing a lot of money into being able to make claims for you know cause effect relationships in terms of you know you take this and this will happen do you think that's that's a factor in in why consumer healthcare companies are, th are looking at this, this more now? 
Yeah, well, I, th I think there's a number of uh, things. One of them, of course, is that technology has uh, advanced uh, quite significantly over the last 10 years and, and continue to accelerate. So uh, today we are we are able to analyze things that we were not capable of doing 10 years ago. And, and we can see that in, in the development of our science, that some of the studies that we did 15 years ago, uh, looking at them today, we are, of course, learning from them and applying uh, today's technology uh, to further advance our science and the outcomes as well uh, from our science, uh, again, for health benefits and, and for the companies we work with. I also think within the uh, consumer healthcare area, um, the companies, of course, have brands already in the market. Uh, and for them to uh, take on board uh, either new products or new ingredients into their existing brands uh, is, is a high risk uh, situation for them. Uh, and the more they can work with, with, with highly scientifically substantiated ingredients, the, the, the less of a risk are they actually taking by applying new ingredients. Uh, and if you look at our uh, prebiotic today we have more than 100 peer-reviewed uh, scientific publications on it, uh, and more than 22 of that uh, are uh, human intervention trials that we've done. So, so we have had thousands of people uh, through uh, trials, uh, human trials with with our ingredients for different indications, uh, which which makes it a, a reasonably safe bet uh, for the industry to have a look at. So we'll say a little bit more about um, claims in a second. But uh, one thing I've noticed actually it just occurred to me when you were saying um, with consumer healthcare brands, I've noticed that actually so far what you've had is um, microbiome products being added to existing uh, consumer health brands. So, for example, um, you know, to do with like stomach issues or whatever. <laughs> and, um, you know, maybe that's that's been a good way that companies have seen getting into it is because you've also got to educate the consumer as you said you know consumers um maybe don't have that advanced understanding exactly how probiotics work so if you've got a brand that consumers know and you can add a microbiome product into that um in a category where it makes sense that's maybe a good way to to kind of step into that space yeah, no, I, I think all the, the biotics uh, tend to have a starting point in, in, in gut health. Uh, but interestingly enough, and I think that's where where we, we need to help uh, both the industry and the consumer to widen the lens, is that, well, if you can actually improve your gut health, uh, and by that actually utilizing the food or other supplements that you take as well, and potentially even medication, then the, the, the gut health itself becomes an, a very important engine to fuel benefits from, from other products, uh, food or even medication that you're taking. Uh, so I, I think we need to widen the lens for the biotics further out than just thinking about gut health, because that is the engine where, where everything begins. I hope you're enjoying this episode of Over the Counter so far. Don't forget to follow Pharma Intelligence Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify and TuneIn. Also check out HBW Insight at hbw.pharmaintelligence.informa.com for all the latest health, beauty and wellness news and intelligence. Keep listening. This episode continues now. So talking about claims, and this maybe is is more relevant to 
the Bimuno brand as well as you you know you're looking to step out into the European market it's not exactly a friendly uh, environment when it comes to regulation and health claims is it um, I would say no and I think uh, I can't recall the exactly the year but I think it was in around 2010 where EFSA uh, changed the regulatory system and I think at that time uh, removed more than 4,000 uh, health claims that was that was that was in Europe at the time on different ingredients um, so so it is a challenging environment uh, in Europe uh, and I think that what you need to rely on at this stage is 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 the educated consumer that actually understands I'm working with companies that are used to working with educated consumers as well uh, across Europe uh, because the uh, yeah it takes time uh, and we as a company uh, have also in the past uh, applied for uh, EFSA health claims uh, before uh, I joined the business uh, and what we've done there is that we've looked at it we looked at our science and and learned from it and and currently we are in the uh, the biggest study a landmark study uh, that we've done so far uh, with the aim uh, to look at at, at certain um, groups of people uh, that we believe that could potentially uh, being successful lead uh, to an EFSA health claim application potentially in the future. Uh, but of course, those uh, those pathways uh, can be long and challenging, whereas outside Europe, um, I wouldn't say it is easier, but it is different. And I think the difference you see in markets outside Europe is that if your science is strong, uh, then you can actually uh, apply and, 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 and justify why it is that certain health claims should be made to your product. And I think in the in the US market, I think we have 12 or somewhere between 12 or 15 structure functional claims on our products, depending on dosage level. Uh, in 2022, we got 22 health claims approved in the Fasans category in Australia, which is for food products. Uh, we got uh, health claim approvals in the Philippines as well. Uh, and we are in, in health claim approvals in, in a handful of other markets where we do expect to see some progress this year and 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 have some the first positive signs that we would also uh, get further health claims, and I think that should also uh, again uh, speak to the, uh, the 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 level of science that that we have conducted uh, as a business, and and why uh, brands uh, in this category can trust our product and and the science behind it as well. That's really exciting. It's it's great that you've got all of the um, the approvals outside of Europe. Hopefully, you know we're going to see a little bit of movement in Europe as well. But I suppose it's important just to mention. Um, as far as I understand it as well, you could you might correct me if I'm wrong. Um, the problem, and this is shared with probiotics, is the very definition of a prebiotic includes, as you said earlier, this point about it having a health benefit, yeah. which, which is why, you know, it, it, it gets into trouble with the, with the newer um, rules in Europe around health claims. No, I think that the, I think it's a well-known challenge is that, well, if, if you want to obtain a health claim in Europe, uh, you actually have to uh, to test your product on, on a healthy population, uh, which, of course, uh, requires that the benefit from your ingredients needs to be very high, uh, even for a healthy person. Uh, but I think also that also uh, then uh, bodes for that when anyone actually gets a health claim approved in Europe, that they have actually gone beyond uh, what, what you need on, on, on medication because there you need actually to have sick people uh, and show you have a benefit. And we need to show that we have a benefit beyond uh, on, on healthy populations. 
Uh, but on that note, uh, we in 2022 actually obtained a positive opinion about the use uh, of uh, Bamuno Goss uh, in uh, FSMP, so food for special medical purposes. Uh, so therefore, there's, I would say there's already a recognition uh, of the, uh, the safety and the benefit of applying uh, our prebiotic in, in, in medical nutrition. Yeah, I mean, like you say, uh, you know, if you get one, then it's a, it's an extremely high standard, isn't it? So, you know, that's that's the positive when it comes to, you know, consumers maybe being sceptical. I think there's, you know, consumers are uh, worried about their health more and, and willing to invest in prevention. But at the same time, you know, people are very sceptical of all sorts of things now. So it's a bit of a funny environment. But, yeah, maybe that's good because then they know, you know, yeah. this, must, this must be good. Yeah, well, I think it did just as an example from, from previous experience is that, well, if you, if you want to obtain an, an EFSA health claim on an ingredient that could potentially lower cholesterol, as an example, where you need to find a group of patients that has no problem with their cholesterol and then show that you can lower it. Uh, and, and that in itself, I, I find at least that example is a bit nonsensical. Uh, <laughs> but, the, but that is the framework that, that needs to be worked with. Yeah. However, at the same time, um, we are seeing member states moving in a slightly different direction aren't we so you know there could be some different outcomes of this but certainly in the short term there are some markets where you can potentially do a bit more than you would on a kind of pan-european level um, so for example most recently france has allowed um this is only with probiotics i think at the moment um yeah and, I, and health claims yeah and I, we see that of course as a as a as a positive starting point uh, and at the same time, we are also mindful that if, if you want to move the, uh, the the goalpost or, or allowing uh, to make health claims or even mention uh, the, that a product would contain prebiotics, we need to go with the, the process that is that is in place. Uh, and we have also part of some of the associations that, that we are members of, one being the Global Prebiotic Association. We are working uh, with them and also with the regulatory bodies and, and also local associations here in the UK, uh, where we've also given our opinion uh, for, uh, well, probiotics as well, uh, because we do understand that, well, they've been around longer. That is where the movement is. Uh, but we also work with those bodies as well, of course, to prepare the ground uh, for hopefully uh, having the same ability to convince them uh, of the, uh, the the benefits, but at least as a minimum that we can actually put on pack what is what is in there, so that the educated consumer can see prebiotics on pack and actually can start looking into what health benefits would that actually potentially give me. Um, and I think that 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 is the the, the road that we are that we are taking and and, and working to to hopefully educate also the parliamentarians uh, in the UK and in, in the EU. Yeah, that sounds great. I mean, you know, that's for me, that's a really nice overview. But um, I don't know if there's anything else that you that you wanted to talk about in particular that we haven't gone through. Well, I think I think the if, if we look out in the future and if you look at the categories where, where we started by by pro and, and pre, uh, but I think everybody also knows that at the moment postbiotics uh, are quite hot uh, in, in in the trending, and and I think probably. Um, at the moment, I think it's a trend. Uh, it's a hot trend. Uh, I do believe there's a lot of future in the postbiotics in the future, uh, but probably in in the inverse, uh, the scientific substantiation is probably as inverse related to the uh, to the to the uh, trend and the hype uh, that you see at the moment. 
but in a way, you can say that a lot of the, the postbiotics are probiotics that have been heat treated or their metabolites uh, during the fermentation. Uh, so therefore, I, I would almost say that if you, if you buy probiotics as a supplement, as an example, there's always dead prebiotics in there. So you basically get postbiotic by de facto of buying a probiotics. Uh, and, and, and the challenge going forward with that is, is looking at the scientific uh, studies around it, but also making sure that you can define uh, very um, narrowly what does a postbiotic produce under a certain fermentation criteria look like in a way that you can you can reproduce it every time that you produce. Mm. Uh, so therefore, I, th I think the next uh, stepping stone in the biotic space is, is, is the development of symbiotics. Uh, and looking at uh, probably initially the science around the prebiotics and the probiotics and where is it the highest likelihood of actually developing symbiotics that could have synergistic effect either by feeding the same bacteria or potentially feeding different bacteria that both have uh, a health benefit uh, as well. So I do believe that symbiotics is going to be the next stepping stone also for the probiotic industry to continue uh, their growth trajectory, which have, has plateaued over the last years. Uh, so I do think symbiotics is, is the next growth ground as well. Um, and I do believe that there is a, a good potential. Uh, we definitely on the on the prebiotic side do not see probiotic as a competitor because I think we 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 deliver different advantages uh, also in terms of, of, of using the product in application. Uh, so therefore, <clears throat> we see opportunities for partnerships in those areas uh, and actually for further developing science together in those areas to bring a next generation of products that might be even more efficacious than each of them on their own. Yeah, that's very exciting, isn't it? So I think um, there's still a lot to to really watch in this space. I mean, I mentioned about the regulatory situation that gives us plenty to write about, which is good. Um, but I think, yeah, you've got all of these kind of sub markets haven't you with uh, the microbiome it's quite i would say even as someone that writes about consumer healthcare, it's very difficult to follow uh, all of the different kind of threads of it so um, i think probably the main takeaway is that you know there's quite a long way to go um, to help consumers understand it and i think if you ha if you were able to say more about the products that would probably be quite helpful i would think yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, and I think also if you, if, you, if you can come back again to the category of prebiotics, you see probiotics at the moment going into uh, to pharma as well as live biotherapeutic. Uh, there, I do believe prebiotics uh, can have a, an important role to play. Uh, again, because, well, we don't have uh, strenuous production uh, parameters that you need to comply with to keep the bacteria alive. Uh, well, of course, we would have to produce according to GMP, uh, which we can. Uh, but but in the fact that you can actually have a stable product that you can apply, uh, I think would have a potential. But I, I do think that the first, you can say, stepping stone into that frontier would probably be as, as adjunct treatment. Uh, so if you start looking at, at different uh, disease areas where there are benefits from improving uh, your, your microbiome and your immune system, either before treatment, during treatment or after treatment, during the recovery, I think that would be uh, quite significant areas and, and areas that, to be honest, that, that we are also looking into and, and, and do see uh, as being our long term uh, bigger uh, growth potential as a business. Fantastic. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you today, Per, and I really appreciate you going into so much depth um, and being open to just chat about this.
Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure. I think it's a it's an area that uh, yeah, as you get going, I could probably talk about it for hours. <laughs> it's, it's fascinating. I love being in this industry. Well, I think yeah, we've still got a lot to learn um, in the consumer healthcare area. So I'm sure we'll speak again, and it'll be good to catch up uh, with how Bimuno um, gets on in Europe and the US as well. Okay, no, absolutely happy to do that. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Over the Counter. Listen out for more episodes every two weeks and check out the further reading section of the article published on hbw.farmerintelligence.informer.com for related news and intelligence. And don't forget to follow, share and comment on Farmer Intelligence Podcasts on the platform of your choice. See you next time.